What's up, Jays fans? Uh, Matt DeMarinas here from White and Blue Review. Sitting here with my good buddy and what could have been at White and Blue Review. <laughs> uh, but Jacob Badilla from Hale Varsity uh, joining me today for this post-game chat after Creighton's 81-59 shellacking of the Butler Bulldogs. Um, I think that's seven uh, wins in the last eight games for Creighton, nine out of the last 11 overall. Um, keeping pace with Seton Hall and Villanova in the Big East title race at 11-4 and four in league play. Um, Creighton was kind of unbelievable today. Another absolutely ruthlessly efficient home performance uh, aching to the Butler or the DePaul game the other last week. 15-26 um, from three. Uh, what was that? 12 of 28 inside two. 12-14 from the free throw line. Uh, before the walk-ons and backups came in, they only had, I think, seven turnovers to 19 assists. So just an unbelievable performance on the offensive end. And then defensively, Holden Butler to 6-20 from the three-point line, forcing 16 turnovers. 11 of those were steals. Um, yeah, just an unbelievable performance. Jacob, what were your thoughts uh, from your vantage point and uh, your diligent note-taking yeah. as a fan today and uh, what Creighton did and how they were able to just run Butler out of the gym. Yeah, well, I... Uh, <coughs> welcome to the podcast, yeah, by the thank way. You. Sorry, I think this, sorry. Yeah, That's like a, we, we do all like the, the chit-chat on the off the side, but like, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's the first time I've actually been on here. I, I'm a big fan. Uh, normally we have like, we get opportunities to do it after Nebraska games, but normally you're... Your perspective on that is so negative towards the Nebraska <laughs> angle when Creighton and them play that it's hard to ju- jump that into the flow. But, yeah, I'm glad we finally get to do one of these. Yeah, no, and uh, been looking forward to it. Uh, happy to hear from you yesterday, knowing that I was, what, the third or fourth option? I know you ran through um, a few different guys before. You were, you were ahead of Bob, though. Okay, So, like, think about that one. That's, uh, you know I, what I mean? feel honored then. That's pretty good power rankings, right? Is that I, because? I, I went through, I mean, I, asked John, I was in the Italians yeah. first. And then um, Bishop. Yeah, then I went Ravi, then Bishop, then you. And then you kind of asked both Alex and Nora and I together. True. So it was so. a tie for, yeah, it was a tie for that. Yeah. And also, I'm guessing the, the ba is because you just didn't want to bother him versus no, actually not I wanting to. <laughs> no, I just, I'd already talked to him that day and I was like, uh, you know, we just, I was like, let's uh, let's give Jacob and Alex a run, see what they got. Well, I appreciate it. Yeah, um, no got God of Beer is my uh, fourth game uh, in this building this season and Creighton 4-0. Um, so that's nice. Yeah, I, that's a good street yeah, to have. I was yeah. here for the... I mean, they've uh, only lost one yeah. at home all year. So that is you, true. Your, your odds of finding wins are pretty good so far. Well, I was here for the Marquette game last year. So okay. it's nice to have the season that they've been having here with me in the building. <laughs> right. Um, but, well, yeah, I, uh, the, the last note I took during the game was 70 to 35 with just about 10 minutes left to go. I'm like, all right, I'm the, good. The end. <laughs> I'm done. <laughs> There's nothing really else <laughs> to, uh, to say here. <laughs> with yeah. 10 minutes left. Um, with 10 minutes to spare. Yeah. No, it, it was just a phenomenal performance. And um, I'm not quite sure what Butler's game plan was defensively. Uh, it seems it like. It pretty similar yeah. to the first one, right? Like, well, we're going we're gonna to be really tight on certain dudes. Yeah. We're going to plug the driving lanes up. and. It, you would think, though, after maybe four or five or even six that you would probably try to get a hand up on yeah. Marcus Zagrowski yeah. instead of just uh, giving him wide open space. Cause there were a couple like, yeah, they, they did, they ran some great action to get him open a lot of stuff, but a lot of it was simple stuff too, that Butler just didn't, they just weren't there. They didn't, yeah, they extra, didn't recognize. Yeah. Um, and that's great. Sean's first three was just a horrible rotation. Yeah. It's like, how are you not rotating to that guy? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, just phenomenal, phenomenal performance overall. Um, I think, uh, Beyond uh, 
Zagorowski, seven for seven from three, which is just unbelievable. Um, I think the big storyline here outside of that is just the performance of the bigs Mm -hmm. and how Creighton's front court absolutely dominated uh, Butler's and Christian Bishop. Because that's the one thing. That's the the one thing about the Butler Creighton matchup, right? Because Butler's going to play with two bigs on the floor no matter what. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of who they are. They do what they do, and they don't deviate from that unless you absolutely force them to. Um, they, like, they like to have NZ and Gold on the floor all, at the same time at all times, and that kind of forces like a game of chicken. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who's going to be better at what they do? Is Butler going to impose their will, or you know, is Creighton going to be able to take the game over? But it wasn't even it wasn't even like a battle no, of that because no. Creighton's bigs outplayed Butler's bigs. So well, the Bryce's combined for six buckets and eight fouls. Yeah. So that right there kind of tells you right. what you need to know. Uh, Christian Bishop by himself at, out uh, produced um, the the NZ and Golden, yeah. and then Kelvin it's kind Jones. Of funny. It's kind of funny because I think the game started with a Zagorowski three and a Bishop dunk. Yeah. And I think that was pretty much the tale of the of the game right there because that continued throughout the okay. remainder of those guys on the floor. Yeah, and continuing with Bishop there, we'll go. With, I think that, that block, transition, fast break, Mitch no-look dump-off pass for that mm-hmm. Tomahawk jam, that's probably the best sequence that he's had in his career thus far at Creighton. That was sick. He was yeah. all, His rim protection was outstanding. It was crazy. And good it was just perfect timing. He, bought, he walled guys up, and then he saw the shot, went up, and just knocked it out of the air. Perfect timing, clean. Went vertical, didn't get the offhand in there, anything like that. It was just great defensive play by him. He got a couple of steals, a couple of deflections as well. Yeah, so one thing you noted off the when we were just chatting um, before we started recording, like was the fact that he only committed two fouls today, yeah. and that you noticed that that's trending in the more positive direction where he can stay on the floor longer. Like, did you, have you noticed anything in, in what you've seen from Creighton early and now late that's that's allowed him to play, you know, the way he wants to play, high energy. Um, making those those effort plays for his team without getting into foul trouble? I, I think part of it's probably just kind of situational and the fact that he hasn't been in a spot to commit some of those dumb fouls quite mm-hmm. the same way. Like the energy he's given uh, hasn't been with a guy in front of him that he's running through. Um, so part of that, I think, I don't necessarily think that he's completely changed and is that that's completely solved, but he has done a better job of not committing fouls 90 feet from the basket. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't uh, reached in when he doesn't need to. Um, he's kept his hands high, all those kind of stuff. He just continued to progress and I think just kind of work that into, all right, it's coming more second nature versus just kind of reacting to everything. Yeah. I think from what I've noticed is that I think he's, I think he's seen the game a little bit better, yeah. um, which, which just comes with playing time and yeah. experience and, and getting reps on the floor. And I think what that allows him to do, or what that allows the game to do is it slows down for yeah. you because you, you've seen everything before and you know what comes next. And that's what that's how you slow the game yes. down. The game, when they say the game moves too fast, it's not like a literal thing where the game is like moving super fast. It's like this is happening, and then you're just reacting to that, yeah. and then something else comes at you, and you weren't ready for it. Like He's seen kind of it all at this point, and he kind of knows what, what the sequences look like. Like, if I do this, what are they going to do? If they do this, what should I do? And I think that's kind of what's happening to his game right now is he's able to make those plays and then anticipate what comes yeah. next, and he doesn't necessarily get himself – into situations where he's running into a guy that he didn't know was going to be there because now he knows that guy's going to be there. So I think that's part of well, part of the, the maturation. His maturation process is how he's 
being able to play right now. And he's having more success too, and early on, so he doesn't have those frustration fouls where he's just hacking a guy because mm-hmm. he's gotten pushed out of the way or he's missed a shot and he's just mad about that. So you cut out like those frustration fouls, those kind of cheap ones that have no chance of producing a positive play, right. and then suddenly every foul you can, you've got a chance to give fouls when you should. Like there was one where uh, I think. It, Somebody uh, got stripped going up, and then he, he might have just given a foul because like it was just bad luck. But that's the kind of fouls that you do give mm-hmm. uh, versus just kind of the the frustration ones. And then that was kind of one of the uh, the big uh, talking points in the post game uh, with Mac is just talking about Christian's growth. And we were talking defensively and staying out of foul trouble, but that's offensively as well. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned uh, after the last Butler game. They started kind of empowering him more, started changing a little bit of how he played offensively and give him a chance to make plays, handle the ball out on the perimeter where he can he does those handoffs, those fake handoffs, and he'll keep it. Yeah. First first play of the game, uh, fake handoff, turn the corner, go dunk. in for the dunk. Mm-hmm. Um, great read by him, and uh, he's doing that a lot more. Five assists uh, to one turnover today. Uh, obviously, turnovers has been kind of an issue for him previously as well, so he made good decisions. He found the open guys, I think, it was really good where they entered in to him in kind of the mid post and he started going to work, but then he recognized that one, he hadn't beat his man to get an easy look. And two, he had a shooter, kicked it right out, wide open three, knocked it yeah. down. It was kind of funny. I caught myself like in, in just the lead up to this game, thinking about how Creighton defends Aaron Thompson, but also how Butler defends Christian Bishop. Cause I'm kind of like trying to, my thing now is kind of like, let's look at it from the perspective of like, how do you defend Creighton's offense and make it and frustrate it? Because right now it's playing at a super high level. So I'm, like, thinking about ways that, like, teams can tinker and try to take away strengths. And, like, it's funny because Christian is their five-man. And he's obviously not a pick-and-pop five, and he's not a stretch five. Yeah. But he, the way he plays and the way he can read the game and make plays, he's kind of like that point guard that you don't have to guard. Like, he's not a shooting threat point guard, but he's a guy you can put the – you can put the ball in his hands at the top of the key and let him make a play in DHOs, let him make reads in pick-and-roll game. Like, he's a guy that you can trust in that situation on the floor, in that spot on the floor, in a 1-5 matchup, which is usually advantage Creighton if they have a pick-and-pop guy or a stretch yeah. guy. But they kind of have an advantage now because they can put the ball in Christian's hands, and if he gets the switch, that's an advantage And if because he can just read the floor and, and go set a ball screen and, make it, and then switch it back. Or if he has a big on him, he can get by that guy with the dribble, or he can just make another again make a read off of that and and, and find guys and make plays for others. Like I just think he's that he's like a point forward. You yeah. know what I mean? And and then I think people are I think in early in people's careers, early in his career, people were I think fans were more frustrated that he didn't add a jump shooting element yeah. to his game. But I think he's been able now to produce at an efficient level offensively as a point forward, making plays for others with the ball in his hands. And, and uh, Mac mentioned it too, it just kind of opens up so many more things with their offense and allows them to be more versatile where it's not all ball screen um, actions and then the only way he can make an impact is on the flip-ups. And Although he did have a really nice one of those where the pass, I think from Tyshawn, the pass was a little low. He went and took it away and yeah. finished a lob because that, <laughs> that yeah. was nice right there because that was not an he easy gets, play. He yeah. gets some that you don't think are, anybody's going to get. <laughs> well, and he's yeah. kind of added that uh, Jacob Epperson thing that was so good at it. Even if you can't dunk it, redirecting it mm-hmm. into the basket. If it's he had one not, that was, uh, I think Mitch got downhill and yeah. threw one that got by Golden and, hit and Christian I think, just tipped it in. I yeah. think it, that play might have even been easier if Mitch had just gone up, but I think yes. he drove in. Uh, yeah, had Mitch he didn't realize, that one, yeah, could, he yeah. didn't realize uh, that he was still open too, so it ended up being a tougher play on the pass. But, For sure. Um, so, and then 
because you've got guys that are so good off the ball and you run so many actions with uh, all the handoffs and off ball screens and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. If you've got a guy that you can make plays off, uh, got like Bishop, you can give the ball to and have him, whether like I said, the handoffs or making the read um, to get those guys other op- other ways to score versus just having the ball in Marcus's hands or Tyshawn hands. Um, that just makes them that much more difficult to guard. Mm-hmm. Um, the final line for Christian, 19 points, which is a career high. On 7 of 10 shooting, he was 5 of 6 at the free throw line, which is good. Um, seven boards, five assists, uh, only one turnover, and four blocks and three steals in 23 minutes. Like, I'm trying that to, in 23 yeah, minutes. Yeah, I'm trying to think of, like, a line like that. I mean, that's so much production on both ends of the floor. That's like a Justin Patton line, you know what I mean? Like, where you're just doing a little bit of everything yeah. and showing off just an unbelievable skill set. Um I, I mean, just a super impressive yeah. performance. Like it's hard, it's hard to fill up as the stat sheet to that regard. Um, but other, if not for Marcus Zagorowski, uh, like we said before, he would have led. He would have He would have led every single category. And uh, honestly, he uh, he finished really strong and came. But I thought at the start of the game, Kelvin Jones came in and was the best big on the floor in the game. Yeah, his first stint, his, his first stint was, was really as good. a good four minutes of play or whatever as he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, he was plus seventeen in thirteen minutes. Kelvin was. Yeah, it was, in the first half, he was yeah. plus 12 in eight minutes alone. Really? Um, and, yeah, he had a really strong catch and finish in the pick and roll, took a little bit of contact, and bobbled the ball at all, finished right away. Mm-hmm. Um, had de- Deflected a pass for a steal, um, then trying to get it inside. Um, he had a tough offensive rebound that he ripped away, kicked it back out. They got a Marcus three out of it. Some really good screens. He got um, a couple guys uh, some yeah, really good Yeah, I'm glad you looks. mentioned the screen, actually, because I felt like – you know, Marcus Zagorowski, 25 points, 9 and 12, 7 and 7 and 3. Yeah. You know, a lot of that was just like Kelvin sets a good screen. It was hard for Aaron Thompson to fight over it like he typically does, and Thompson was just too late getting to Marcus, who's got a quick trigger. And I think that, like, a lot of that, Kelvin doesn't get an, a stat for that. He doesn't get an assist for that or anything. But, you know, a lot of that was, you know, Christian and Kelvin just setting really good ball screens and, getting Marcus just enough space to get the shot up. Yeah, and then the second uh, Stinney came in, he, had, he, he blocked Thompson at the rim, and then uh, shortly after got an offensive rebound and kicked it out for another Ibalik three. So that's uh, he got two offensive rebounds, and that produced six points for Creighton, and that's huge. Like, you get that kind of production. He only had, what, four points with it? Mm-hmm. Um, but he he'd served his role very well. He, um, there were a couple fouls there late at the end. Um, he had um, they called the moving screen on him, so that's kind of where his turnover came from. But um, his first, what do you say, his first like 10 or so minutes was the highest level I think I've seen him play against this level of competition. And that's huge. If you get 10 really good minutes out of Kelvin Jones the rest of the way, mm-hmm. then that's going to be tough. This wasn't even like Denzel Mahoney didn't do a whole lot in this game. Um, Damian Jefferson didn't do, do a whole lot in this game. It was all Christian that – Heck, yeah, Damien didn't even score. No. Um, Mahoney had three points. Yeah. And those are guys that That's recently— That's typically not a recipe for a great no. success, right? If you have, like—they've got the big three going, but even Mitch only had nine. So when you think about, like, Mitch, Damien, and, and uh, Denzel combining for 12 points on, what, 12, 16 shots? Yeah. Right? Yeah. That's typically not a recipe for Creighton blowing someone out of the gym like they did, especially a Butler team. That's been pretty good all year, especially on the defensive end of the floor. But um, but that, that just speaks to the efficiency of Zagorowski and Bishop, and then um, Tyshawn, you know, keeping the the dagger in the heart at the end, like making sure that thing stayed at a thirty point game until 
about five minutes left. So. And, and I did. Uh, Balak didn't end up having a, a huge game, but I liked the way he came out. He knocked. They got him a uh, three right First away. Uh, yep, real clean look. Knocked it down. The second one was an aggressive shot. Like some, it's one of the shots that he's turned down at times of games. He didn't make it, but I liked the aggressiveness to mm-hmm. kind of c- turn the corner, catch, and go up through semi-contested. Um, he had a couple of those where. Well, it's like the. In the, the they're decent looks. Yeah. They're, they're bad looks for some other people, but they're good looks for him. And in, that, in that first matchup with Butler, McDermott was really aggressive in attacking yeah. that matchup and, and setting the tone offensively for Butler. That might have arguably changed the game because Baldwin yeah. was so cold in the first half. McDermott was basically their whole yeah, offense. Yeah, carried them I mean? in the yeah, first half. That was Butler big. Got, or Baldwin got going. So I think maybe a little bit of Mitch's mindset maybe today was i got to be really aggressive in attacking that McDermott matchup because if we can win that one, we can set a pretty good tone here and, and – and then I think that aggressiveness early opened up the playmaking opportunities. What, yeah. six assists, one turnover, um, and six rebounds as well. Good thing he uh, made that third three. Because you're taking it because with, with Mitch. six 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 that line. Because <laughs> when Mitch is doing that, you have to take it. You literally take a defender thirty yep. feet, thirty five feet away from the basket. And then so the, 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 what that does to the the driving lanes and the spacing. Yeah. So either that or um, if you're not tight to him, you have to fly the heck right. out of there when he does catch and then that opens up the driving and the passing yeah. for him because he can attack off the yeah. dribble or he can let you light you up if you're late yeah again six yeah. assists one turnover his his assist to turnover ratio over the last Career, seven eight game or his per- yeah but he stepped up life. even more yeah. uh when teams that have been more aggressive mm-hmm. taken away he hasn't shot as much last handful of games for the and most the one part. turnover was a catch at the he caught it on the ba- on yeah. the sideline that was that's, like that's that, what that's, it was so it wasn't even it. like it wasn't even a decision making turnover it was like a he was court's just too a, small yeah court was too <laughs> small for him um, so that I mean that's 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 I think that's the way that you want Balak starting every game is come out take a couple of early ones get you a really good look to start so he sees it go through and then maybe you because again we've t- we talked about before but decent looks for Balak are really good looks for most everybody else yeah on, on most teams so he's got to be that aggressive early because then it does open up everything else for him and for his teammates I like what I like that Laval Jordan referred to, to the, some of the looks that Creighton can get as layups if they're from the three-point I just love the idea that Creighton is so good from the three-point line um, that some of those shots like you don't even need to bother going to the glass on like if they're in rhythm, they're but Tyshawn had one in the corner when Creighton was putting the game away in the second half. Yeah, where he like released it, and I think I don't even think it was to the st- the sanction yet, and he turned around and like smiled at the crowd, <laughs> like it was full on Steph Curry. Like that's going in. Like, yeah, I, I know what that feels like. And and, and then hey, I mean, you look at just the plus minus Tyshawn. 28 minutes plus 36 plus 36 like, that, that is absurd that is ridiculous um in a what was, was 35 their biggest lead i, I think um, um I'm trying to think. largest lead by 35 yeah, 30 yes yeah, oh, so, so, yeah that's they they were just killing him anytime he was out there mm-hmm. and he he didn't have a huge game but solid 15 points um, hit three threes, four, four assists, assists no, no turnovers. turnovers, two steals. I mean, the steals, the turnovers is getting like this yeah. getting kind of ridiculous at this point. Like in Big East play, forty two um, assists, thirteen turnovers, and twenty four steals. Yeah, it's, that it's is, absurd. It's ridiculous. For this, and this is the guy that's handling the ball quite a bit. Mm-hmm. For the season, he has thirty six steals and thirty nine turnovers. <laughs> like at a, as a two guard playing in a power six conference, like this is unbelievable. Oh, and. And it, when you add what he does defensively and the, the toll that will take on your yeah. stamina and yeah. the fact that you don't have the, the, the tired turnovers very often, like mm. that that could be easy where you just kind of get worn Jump out. Jump stop, slide yeah. feet, travel, like or lose kinda, the ball. Yeah, exactly. Up. Yeah. Um, yeah. Get it stripped because you're not moving as quickly as you have, like all that kind of stuff. That's not happening. 
And I th- so I think we kind of hit on the main Creighton guys there. It's, I think we'd probably go ahead and mention right now uh, Kamar Baldwin. Uh, 15 minutes, that's all he played today. Yeah, he, hurt his, so, he hurt his ankle like right as – I think it was 32-19 or 35-19 yeah. when he banged it up. Yeah, so they were – Crane was, was obviously already in control. But what happened, he got switched on to Christian Bishop, and they were battling in the post. He was getting uh, – Christian was really beating on him trying to get – they ended up – they did not get him the, the pass, but we had uh, – they had Marcus drive in, uh, throw up a little floater that popped out. And Christian ended up tip slamming it back in, mm. and after that is when uh, Baldwin came up limping. So I don't know if it was on trying to defend him in the post or on the rebound or what exactly, but he came up limping, and mm. he was kind of hesitant for a second, like he wasn't sure. He was trying to see if he was all right, uh, but he's like, "No, I got to check out." And um, he came out. He was the last one out at the locker room at halftime. Kind of walked out there gingerly. He could say, "Oh, this doesn't look good." And then Laval Jordan said, confirmed that, "Hey, if, if he could have played, he would have. It had nothing to do with us being." us getting blown out it's just he he hurt the ankle so well i mean down that team at half you figure if kamar's got anything left use it in that first well, he, five minutes like and 21 see, in the second half of yeah. the last game or oh, whatever I know. It was. yeah the second half is where he lives <laughs> yeah exactly so but i mean and he was keeping them in the game early i mean they, it, creighton hit a little bit of a run there to make it i think uh i don't know if it was 10 but it got to like seven or eight yeah and then you know he hit a, a runner in the lane or at the free throw line area, and then they had that uh, ridiculous step back that Tyshawn defended yeah, as well as he possibly could, and sure. just buried it. I think that, that at that point it, he had seven points on three of five shooting on yeah. that fadeaway, and that he made it a, next that shot. made it a four yeah. point game. I think it was seventeen to two the rest of the half, and yeah. then obviously the wheels just kept falling further away from the car. They were already off the the lug nuts already come undone. So yeah, so without Baldwin. Uh, it became the Aaron, Top- Aaron Thompson offensive show. He which, was one for eleven. Yeah, it. Yeah, I. Uh, I, I was laughing during the game. As, Three for like, six at the free throw line too, so he didn't hit there either. <laughs> no, and honestly, he had a kind of gifted a couple of those trips to the free throw line mm-hmm. too, like some of those calls. Like, so it's he. He was. You never want Aaron Thompson leading you in shot attempts in a game. If that oh. happens, and this is what they score. None of. Uh, 59 points, and that's that's yeah. a recipe for not even getting the six he is. Aaron Thompson leading you in shot attempts. I mean, take away Baldwin and then, you know, just take uh, take away Baldwin and take away Enzi. So just do, do, just do those two, and yeah. then look at the efficiency of what Butler had. They had between Aaron Thompson, Sean McDermott, Bryce Golden, and, like, Jordan Tucker, their best offense off the bench. Yeah. Uh, that's 12, 16, 21 points on... 19, 25, 30 shots. Yeah, like between those guys. Henry Badley is the only player for Butler that actually had a good game. Yeah, right. I would say right. offensively. Agreed. Um, yeah, he led him scoring with 13 on five of eight shooting at mm-hmm. three threes, uh, and he was a guy that started the second half for uh, Baldwin. So, but McDermott, ten points, only got off eight shots. They did a pretty good job. They they lost him a couple of times, but they did a good job of recovering and not giving him a chance to get too many looks off. Because, like you mentioned, he killed him in the first half of that last game. And it was Mitch Balak on him most of the time. They had some other guys switch on. After Baldwin went out, uh, Tyshawn switched over to him. And yeah. <laughs> uh, Robbie I was joking, like, all right, I did not sign up to be guarded by Tyshawn Alexander. And then right after he said that, he ended up switching on to Marcus Zagorowski defensively. And uh, Marcus kind of lulled him sleeve and blew by for the layup. And I was like, uh, if I had him right now, I'd, I'd, I'd also Come grab my him. leg. and was like, uh, hey, I, I need one guy here. Hammy. This uh. is... This was not what I signed up for today. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with these matchups? Like, I, you know, I can't get any space offensively, and then yeah. I, I'm supposed to check this dude? Not going to happen. Um, 
Yeah, so I think that touches up our individual breakdowns. Let's see who else did we leave anybody out. I don't even know if we talked about Marcus Zagorowski, but I mean, that's kind yeah, of we kind of mentioned seven to seven from three. And I did want to talk. I actually did want to note one thing because uh, twenty five points in twenty five minutes—that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty. It's insane. On twenty twelve shots and without, without getting the free throw line. Yeah, because I looking at that like field goal attempts is one thing, rather than total shots. Because yeah, I count like shooting, Howard, shooting possessions as what yeah, I count a lot. Like Marcus yeah. Howard will like take twelve shots and then twenty five free throws, and that's yeah. how he'll get his gaudy point totals. But like since the Providence game where. Uh, Zagorowski went one for ten. Um, he was twenty three uh, on nine of sixteen against St. John's. He had eighteen on seven of ten against Seton Hall, which is ridiculous because he had Quincy McKnight on him all yeah. game. Um, he had eleven on four of nine against DePaul, uh, seventeen on seven eleven at Marquette, and then twenty five on nine and twelve at but- against Butler tonight. So I mean, the last five games, this is unbelievable. I mean, he's fifty six percent, seventy percent, sixty three percent. Seventy-five percent in those in four of those five games. Uh, Would he well end up above. with that Seton Hall game again? He had uh, uh, he had eighteen on seven of ten shooting. Yeah, so eighteen on seven t- against Quincy McKnight yeah. and twenty-five on seven of twelve against Aaron Thompson. Yes, those are the two best defensive point guards in the conference. Other than right? Tyshawn Alexander, they're two. They're, yeah. they're, the, they're the two. They're two and three in the league yeah. in guarding in terms of like what they allow. Um, on their individual matchups. Well, yeah. So that's pretty good. And I, uh, even in the midst of kind of their success, I had uh, a handful of games back, but kind of before the stretch, mentioned that, like, Marcus isn't playing the way he had been, and that's kind of the the key, I think, to really elevating it is, like, all right, you're getting all these other contributions from other yeah. guys. Now you need Marcus to get back to where he was. And especially because he had really struggled to score inside the arc in well, Biggie's yeah, play. Yeah, but, like, so after that Providence game, he had scored in single digits in three of the last five yeah. games. So he was... Um, you know, one of those was a six turnover game, but the Providence game was a season low in points. Yeah. Um, you could argue it was his worst performance of the year. And, um, and I think that's kind of the, where the shift of defensive focus more from Tyshawn onto Marcus for a lot of teams. So they had really kind of adjusted to what Marcus did in the non-conference and then early in the league. And yeah. teams started to all right, realize, hey, this is who we have to take away first. And he was kind of struggling just like Tyshawn had previously yeah. uh, stepping well, into that role too, last right? year. Yeah. It's like, you're the guy that that defenses are going to game plan against. You have to find a way to be efficient in, the, in in spite of that. And Marcus kind of went through that, and it didn't take him a full season. It took him a handful of games, and now he's back to – even today he didn't have a great now, – Now if anybody's got yeah. another adjustment to make, that's, that's their turn because he's, he's locked in right now. Yeah. And you, you, you've got Tyshawn and Marcus playing the way they have been recently. Like, that's – that's as good of, I think, a one-two punch as you can find anywhere in the league considering what they both do in all phases of the game. Yep. I'm um, sorry. I was just reading questions real quick. I didn't even make that awkward. Um, I'm just going through these real quick, and uh, and then we'll start teeing off on some of them. Um, thanks for the questions, by the way. We did get quite a few. So oh, sweet. We will be able to round out this podcast with some interesting topics, hopefully. Um, I'm just making sure I got everybody before I start firing away on these things. <laughs> uh, right off the bat, uh, not a question here, but uh, Jeff Hansen uh, replied, <laughs> sorry, uh, to our call for questions. Sorry, Crane answered them all. Yeah, that's, <laughs> which, <laughs> that's, that's the tweet. That's, that's the response of the year so far. So congratulations to Jeff. I don't have a prize in mind yet, but maybe I'll think of one. Um, okay. Let's see. 
So Sam Norland is the first one to tee off on. Uh, he goes, will you power rank the 15 threes we hit today on the pod? If not, which was your favorite? Oh, man, I don't even know if I can remember all 15. Yeah, That's I a definitely lot. can't. Um, so maybe just some of our maybe some of our favorites then, I guess. I did like the first one from Mitch. It was a tone setter. Yeah. It was like a look. We're going to fire away today. And if you guys. Great job to get him free. If you guys are this late on. If you guys are this late on us, it's going to be ugly. Um, I will It didn't go in. If Mitch had hit that one kind of in transition and while they were on their roll, the the roof would have been blown off. Yeah, it was ready. That would have been number one had it gone in. But. Yeah, uh, I can Ty- see. He Tyshawn's, kinda... Tyshawn's one in the corner where he literally turned away halfway through. <laughs> the ball was halfway in flight. He turned around and That's smiled at the crowd like he knew it was going in. And it didn't even touch the rim. So that one was that, that one's was, up there. That was, that was up there. I think the, the Marcus and the Mitch threes off of the Kelvin offensive rebounds uh, were up there just kind of the, the demoralizing factor of giving up a second chance three Yeah. Uh, for this this dude coming off the bench and just kicking your butt on the glass and six straight or six points right there mm-hmm. um, when you've gotten a stop already. Um, that, that, that really hurts the defense when you're giving up those kind of plays. Yeah, I think Marcus had a couple that where Aaron Thompson played pretty good defense on him and, you know, he just used a little in-and-out in and out dribble to, to get him some space with a little sidestep and, and buried a couple and uh, – yeah, you could just tell he was on. He wasn't like there was nothing that Thompson could do short of fouling him that would stop him from hitting those. Those were pretty big. And then um, the, the Marcus' seventh one, I think he kind of refused the screen, just cross over right into the shot, and yeah. no defender. There was nobody even close. Like how how are you guys losing him this much? He's made his last six, and for that to it, go in it, seven it, for seven. Yeah, it felt like you know his his first couple too. <clears throat> Butler had done a pretty good job of kind of like answering Creighton's punches yeah. and then, you know, with offense of their own. And then I think Marcus hit back-to-back threes to give him to stretch the lead out. I think the 10 at first, um, that was pretty big sequence. So those first back-to-back ones that caused a timeout. <clears throat> I think Mitch hit a big one coming off a screen on the in the left corner, left wing area that uh, in the first half um, that stopped a Butler run and got a Creighton run going. So... Yeah, there were some huge ones. Uh, and then, maybe we'll make a super. Maybe I'll go back home and make a super cut. Yeah, I think that's one where you'd have like, to kind of watch back the film before you. Because there are really pretty. Uh, there was not. I don't think there was any lucky ones today. Were there? They kind of all were like smooth. And no, they were pretty. They were good looks. In rhythm. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Um, Rob Anderson, uh, Marcus became the seventy-first player in Division One uh, men's history to be perfect from three-point range with seven or more attempts. Dang. So that's pretty good. Seventy-one actually seems like a big number for not well, missing. Well, I mean, it's only history. Yeah. Three point two. That's, that's not. Uh, I think, but I think he, uh, Kyle Corver was the, had the school record for six for six, right? Without a miss. Uh, I do not know that off the top of my head. Okay. I don't have my uh, media guy with me, but I think that's what it was. Um, so Zagorowski did that today. Anytime you pass, anytime you, anytime you cross Kyle Corver off of a three point shooting list, I think you've done a pretty Incredible, incredible feat. You know what I mean. Well, and then Tyshawn hit his 203 today as well, joining Corver, um, Balak, and uh, was it, uh, who was the other one that that had 203s by the end of their junior yeah. year? Um, I don't remember. Yeah, I've blanking on it now. I know those two were both on it, um, but like that's pretty good when you've got. There we go. Uh, Rocky, that's who I thought, but I wasn't. Okay. Yeah. Because Doug, so Ethan, Doug got off to a slow start. So, tight, to so Ethan, Kyle, Doug, Mitch, Tyshawn. No, no Doug. No Doug? No. 
Oh wow! It's just Corver, Rocky, Balak, and now Alexander. Because that, that's an upset. Because uh, well, that that freshman year, because it's through your junior year, yeah. and Doug didn't become a sniper until sophomore junior year. Right. That first year he was. He all was only post. a sniper. The last he was he, only he was only an unfair. He player. was only forty percent his <laughs> freshman year from three. You could you could somewhat guard him. Yeah. As his freshman, he was only unfair for three years. <laughs> Settle down, college basketball. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah four, 14 points a game as a true freshman. That's <laughs> who was about to redshirt. Like, that's he was slacking a little bit, start right. his career. Yeah. You can see why they almost had him sit out. <laughs> uh, Schmidt wants to know Creighton Blue Jays versus Ditka. Who you got? Well, I'm a Packers fan, so go Jays all the way. Okay. Um, I feel like Creighton needs to like get to the final four before they, before they get up on Ditka, right? Yeah, Ditka's not a good coach. Well, what kind of Ditka are we talking about? Well, yeah, Ditka, Ditka won a Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, we got to give the man his due. He's kind of like, but but like Saints Ditka that gave away all the draft picks for Ricky Williams, or like Chicago Bears Ditka who like, you know, makes the. It was the only reason the Bears are relevant right now today to this day. Like that Ditka. Yeah, I guess if it's that Ditka. Yeah. Creighton needs to go to the Final Four. If it's the Saints Ditka, they've they're lapping him currently. Okay, we'll 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 circle back to that one at the end of the season, but um, and kind of see where the Will team we? stands. Do I have to bring that one back up? Probably not. I, mean, no, like I, I, I think we're good. Oh, yeah, okay, right, <laughs> I think we're good. You want me to circle back to it? I guess I will. <laughs> whenever the season is. Um, uh, Ting wants to know when it comes to the NCAA tournament, a common phrase "it's all about matchups" is frequently uttered. That being said, what specific teams do the Jays not want to see on their side of the bracket in March? It's a pretty good question. Yeah. Obviously, you uh, start first with the first length. Someone. I think. Okay. Yeah. yeah. The, the, I mean, the like length this, on the wings and yeah. inside that makes it tough for Crane to get off the shots that they want. I think the first thing that I would say is versatility. A team that yeah. can switch one through five is probably going to give Crane a lot of problems. Oh, and and that's kind of counter to what most people would think, right? Because you think, oh, with as undersized as Crane is, you, you go straight to a team with a dominant post player, but. There's yeah, a no, certain no, no. level Creighton, you yeah. There's a Creighton's certain beating the crap out of that so many times this year that I don't even consider that a, the, and, an issue anymore. Yeah, and that's kind of uh, I, I think the interesting part of this because that's and even still people like I think what Jeff Goodman said love the team or whatever think they're just a big man away or whatever um, from being a Final Four team um, like that all that stuff is kind of continuing. You hear a lot of people say that, but uh, I, you have to be so good as the the post player to yeah. overcome the two for three math advantage right. there. Um, that they're, Xavier, they're, Xavier has arguably one of the best, one of the hottest post players yeah. in the country right now, and they played that two for twos for threes game, yeah. and they were they yeah, were never, they, they, never they, in. Yeah, they played Gill right off the four. It would be interesting to see Creighton hand, uh, try to go against a guy like Yudoka Azabuke. Um, the way the way he's developed mm-hmm. in, at this point in his career, he's national player of the year contention up there. Uh, him and Devin Johnson both have had phenomenal seasons. So then there, there's a point guard that. Um, uh, really quick there. Um, you wonder. Um, you, obviously, you'd start with Tyshawn on him or whatever, but then you got to find somewhere to put um, Marcus Zagorowski playing against bigger wings, so that could be a problem. Because like, I think mm-hmm. that's kind of yeah, yeah. Tyshawn can pretty much guard anybody at this point, but then you got to find the right matchups for the other guys around him. And sure. if the and if you if you need Tyshawn guarding the point guards, then Marcus might give up some size elsewhere on the wings, and then that'll hurt you on the glass and defensively as well. So yep, um, but. Yeah. I, think, I mean, I think Baylor would be a pretty tough matchup because they have size and versatility on the perimeter. And offensively, they're really good as well. So they can match Creighton bucket for bucket if it gets into that type of a game. Um, 
Dayton might be a tough one because they're just unbelievably efficient offensively, and they have a dominant big and Ob yeah. Ob one Ob, yeah, Ob yeah. Toppin. Yeah, Dayton. Um, Dayton's they, kind of a supercharged version of what we've seen from Cray in just yeah. in, cer- in certain aspects because they, uh, as good as Christian Bishop has been, uh, Ob Toppin's kind of <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just, Ob Toppin's just, a lottery pick version. Yeah. Of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he kind of does a lot of the same thing, except he can step out and shoot in addition to being the, the lob threat at right. the rim that uh, wouldn't re- make it really tough to to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, those, that's all I can really think of off the top of my head. We're ta- do, yeah, we're talking Kansas and, it is, and I do, I do think, top 10 teams that I would be tough from, matchups. Yeah, I do think from a matchup standpoint, it is a very small group of certain either you know teams or just matchups that would get creating problems. Because I think this year what we've been taught so far um, in this 28-game sample is that Creighton is actually a matchup nightmare more times yeah. than not as opposed to the other yes, way around. So. I mean, the simple math, three better than two, and then, yeah. then you stretch. Uh, the game is all about pace and space and stretching defense. But, they can all, but, that, but that's the other thing. Like, it's, it's three is better than two, but Creighton can also – Creighton's threes Creighton create also, twos. Creighton also makes you yeah. pick a poison. Like, because yes. they can finish inside and attack off the dribble as well as they can catch and shoot it. So, like, that's, that's, the, that's the element of the game that's really dangerous for Creighton right now is they make you decide how yeah. they're going to beat you, and that's kind of like – that's that's why there's only a only a handful of matchups out there in the country that are and we're getting are, to the are, point where that are nightmares. It's not even necessarily matchups; it's talent. Yes, that, like you're, we're talking about the best teams in the country right, right now. So Creighton's getting to that point where they're not matchup dependent, like maybe they have been in the past, mm-hmm. or they can play their game against almost anybody. Unless I think it's more so than matchups. It's going to be kind of the perfect storm of just how they're feeling that day, the way the game is officiated. Because yeah. you look at that Providence Cold game, shooting that, versus that like second Providence game, the officials let them hack the heck out and hold Creighton all over the place. So then they couldn't get the, the offense inside the arc going, and then they couldn't hit threes. So um, it's like, what do you do? if like Every time I try to drive, I'm being held, and they're not calling it. Mm-hmm. So I try to shoot a three, and that won't go in. And then they turn to that zone when Creighton was already cold, and then it's hard to get yourself going against the zone once you were already not hitting. Yeah. Um, so th- I think that's kind of the perfect storm of like that. That can happen to anybody though, but and then and then you have to shoot eight for ten for yeah. three on your end of it. <laughs> exactly. Right. So, but I think that I think that's kind of what we're looking at here more so than specific matchup is just that, and that's why the talk is Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight, all that stuff. Now people yeah. talking Final Four, even if they if it's more so I think about Creighton than their opponent at this. point. I mean, streaks do like the season has a lot of ebbs and flows to it. Yeah. So Creighton is going to regress in the mean a little bit. The good thing for Creighton is their mean is a lot better than most, so they're not going to regress that much. Because um, you just look, but they're going to they're going to throw up a subpar one pretty soon. Um, it's just like it's yeah. just about maintaining now because they're getting to the end of the season. Um, it just they just don't want that, that game to happen. just can't happen in your tournament game. Exactly, that's exactly. got to, and that's kind of what's hap- like. You look at yeah, the matchups have been part of Creighton's tournament uh, failures. But they also had really bad days on their own, mm-hmm. and on the and it, that wasn't all force. Yeah, that for wasn't sure. all force. Like they miss open shots, and that doesn't always have to do with physicality and length. It's like you've got to hit your shots, yeah. and that it's just kind of sometimes that happens in the wrong situation, and that's why it's so hard to judge everything off of such a small sample size of uh, a few NCAA tournament games. Obviously, if you don't want it to continue, because then the sample size becomes larger and larger, mm-hmm. and then becomes more of a trend versus isolated incidents, which I believe it is now. Yeah. I'm gonna throw dirt in that rabbit hole right now and pad it up because yeah. this podcast has gone down that one a long a lot before. <laughs> um, uh, moving on, shooter, you wants to know what are the Jays' odds of landing Hunter Salas? Not, yeah, not high. I think. Yeah, they they're trying. You, to, you, you have yeah. a pretty good insight on this one too because like it's it's been pretty 
It's been rumored several times so over to the once, that he's kind of looking yeah. outside the state as well. And especially once the Kansas and Gonzaga offers came, I think those are two of the ones that I had heard just like that really like he he heard those offers like kind of uh, ears perked up or whatever. Yeah. It's like yeah, oh, this is a little on that one. Yeah. Just in terms of the way they they play, the success they've had, um, putting players in, in the pros, just the, the coaching uh, acumen there. Like th- those are two, and then now maybe we'll see some of the other. Uh, like Duke Carolina type of blue bloods get in the mix at some point, just the, the trajectory he's on right now. But um, yeah, I, I think Creighton's done what they've done. They've continued yeah. to recruit him. Um, they I mean, they had, were the first in-state team on him. They, they, they did all their due diligence yeah. in terms of like scouting and, and evaluating and, and offering and recruiting, and they continue to be in that battle. But it just doesn't seem like he's destined to be no. a Jay or a Husker. So point. I think it, it went, what, D-Rock um, – at Drake, because he played summer ball with his son, Tucker. Mm-hmm. That was the first offer. Then Ole Miss came out of nowhere at the end of his, uh, uh, at the end of the summer. And then Creighton was I think, the next I think one Cal, or two. I think Cal was next and then Creighton. Oh, no, Cal, um, no, Cal's been more recently. Creighton oh, really? was Creighton, yeah, was the fir- one of the first four or five teams that offered him. Okay. Um, this is, yeah, way back, before he started blowing up, because then Nebraska followed, Iowa State, might have Iowa State was right around the same time as Creighton, I believe. So that's kind of when the gotcha. the run started there. But Creighton has been in there, obviously, with the coaching changes. They've kind of had to reset their relationship because Preston Murphy was kind of the lead initially on that. Because also Hunter was playing with his son mm-hmm. uh, at OSA, so you kind of had that that natural tie in there. Yep. So they've kind of reshuffled things with uh, uh, Al Huss. I know has been to see him a couple times. Um, so they're, they're continuing to recruit so him. So low then, yeah. right? The odds <laughs> yeah. are low. I, I think the odds are pretty low for him staying in this state. Yeah. Um, Alex Indelara, buddy, wants to know, if there was a prom for Nebraska-based sports journalists, who would be prom royalty? Also, will either of you go to the prom-based sports journalist prom with me? Nebraska-based sports journalist prom with me. Uh, yes. That's the second question, of course. No problem, buddy. Um, I don't even know. Do we go seniority and just like give respect to those who put their dues in, right? Like, sure, let's go with that. Okay. <laughs> I, just I like, don't even know where to go. <laughs> let's go back. Everybody who's won like sports writer of the year, just that's the royalty. There we go. Just go back to the last decade. Yeah. Uh, Michael McGood tweets wants to know: Does Davion play on the scout team? Yes. Moving on. I'm just kidding. Yeah, he plays. <laughs> on the, I don't know what else. To, I don't know. How to, yeah. There's not really much to insight there. He, yeah, he, he's usually the number one perimeter option if there is a team that has that so like marcus howard uh kamar baldwin uh, miles powell was not davion that went to jordan scurry because that's the one thing he specifically asked for is as, 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 as every year he just wants to be miles powell so that's, like that's that that was his that was his like favorite from the coaching staff was allowing him to be powell so as long as he puts in the work and studies like a yeah. year round like i'm just watching every Powell game to get ready for this week. Exactly. Um, it's hard to argue him. with the results. Great yeah. shut Powell down. Jordan's great. <laughs> did a good job emulating that because um, I think he had a three for sixteen day one day in practice while they were getting ready. So <laughs> it was perfect. Yeah, that's that's. Sorry, great. Jordan. I that's, was just I was just kidding. That's a great impression though. Um, yeah, I think yeah, Davion passed the point of where he didn't want to spend less than half his senior year on the court. So you yeah. only get four seasons to play basketball. So correct. Went in the decision. Uh, Danny Sullivan. If hey, you're, Danny. oh, you know Danny. Oh yeah. Okay. Hi, Danny. Co- coached with Danny for a few years. Nice. Um, if you're game playing against Creighton right now, what would you do to stop this hot streak? And what new wrinkles might Matt keep adding to the 
to counter the best efforts we're going to see the rest of the way. Um, well, the first one, I, I think switching five ways is number one, I think. If you have a, if you have a team that's capable of doing that, you should do that. Because I think that just that just makes things tough, as tough as possible for the Jays, you know what I mean? Yeah, because so. as good as they are, they don't have a ton of guys that can consistently beat you off the dribble. Um, like that, that's kind of not necessarily that they they can do it if uh, in certain stretches, but that's like that's not their m- main game. They're looking to get space. They're looking to uh, off of movement get guys open. Um, like Marcus can ISO on guys. Uh, you get you get the wrong switches on him, he'll kill you. Um, but it's not like Creighton's got guys that are just great ISO players. So if you switch one through five, you kind of turn the, it into an ISO game, Correct. where the the sets and everything that Creighton worked on is no longer an option because they just blow yeah. all that up. That's why so. teams play zone. Yeah. If they can't switch five ways, they play zone because you take away all that at yeah. the same time, too. Yeah, you can't run. I yeah, mean, you've much. got your, you've zone, your zone sets, up, right. but there's only so many things you can do against a 2-3 zone if yeah. you're not hitting shots. Yeah, most of that. otherwise most of that movement is wasted against a standstill defense. Well, because – and then people – like after that Providence game where the zone was successful, but earlier in the year, teams tried to zone Creighton, and they were very successful, and teams went away with it quickly. Well, Marquette tried to go to it when, it, when they cut it within – Ten and then Creighton beat it. Yeah, two out of three times they tried it. So and they were hitting shots in that one. They didn't. They were already cold against yeah. Providence. So then you're only going to stay in it if yeah. it's working. You're not yeah. going to stay in it like unless you're Tony Bazzella from Seton Hall. You're not going to stay in the zone if the team's lighting you up. So. And then also if you aren't a team that plays prime, because everybody said, oh, if I was playing against Creighton, I just zone them the whole time. It's like if that's not what you do normally, yeah, you're, then you're, you're just setting alive. yourself for, up yeah. for failure. You have to do what you're what you're good at. If someone just came in here and like untraditionally said. We can't switch five ways, so we're not going to have a prayer in guarding them. We're just going to zone the whole game. Creighton's going to light that team up like the Rockefeller Center Christmas tree. Like, Yeah, because you've got to be on point. You can't because yeah. you're going to give open a, looks. A bad zone is going to give you some really open looks. And yeah. Again, unless it's one of those days like it was against Providence, which there haven't been nearly as many of this season. And even when they've struggled shooting, they've made up for it in other ways a lot mm-hmm. of time. You've had Denzel making some plays in the high post and – what did Creighton uh, shoot against North Florida? I feel like that was a team that zoned a lot. <laughs> that was not one that I got to watch. It, I think you know North Florida. I think played a lot of two three zone, and they were they, they were actually up in the first half. But yeah, Creighton. I mean, they were ten of twenty seven from three, and they were seven of fourteen in the second half after going three of thirteen in the first. So yeah, yeah they, I think they played a zone most of the game, and eventually it stopped working. Yeah, because you're just giving up too many good looks to a team that's can knock these things down their sleep. So. Yeah. That's not necessarily as much of a bugaboo, in my opinion, as having a team that has the defensive versatility and athleticism to switch five ways and be disruptive. Yeah, and I don't think it – I think that's always kind of been somewhat overblown. Um, there are definitely stretches where they've struggled against it, but I think those kind of stick in people's minds yeah. more so than when they beat it because then, like you said, they go away from it quickly, so you don't remember that as much. Right. Um, but I, I don't – yeah, I don't know that Creighton is any worse against his own than anybody else. It just kind of depends on how they're playing that day. Yeah. I mean, ideally, it does make them less efficient because you take away their uh, – the thing that makes them unbelievable is pace. Yeah. And, and you, when you zone them, you take away the pace because then you're just, ball, ball, then you're just you're chasing the ball around yep. and trying to match up. Um, Mike Famosi wants to know, what did, do you think of Aiton's big second half against the Bulls last night? <laughs> Turning point or another blip on the radar? I don't want to talk about this stuff. <laughs> yeah, that was... That I don't was, even know why we have to mention the Bulls in this podcast. Yeah, for a while there, during that first half, I was uh, 
worried that I was going to be too embarrassed to show my face for this podcast if the Suns had lost to the Bulls. But uh, then Aiden decided to go grab 10 offensive rebounds and nearly drop a 30-20 and make it all better. So, yeah, that's not a great showing, but that, that was pretty cool. And hopefully he continued. Well, the best part about that is he had a slow first half. He was awful in the first half. And instead of kind of falling away, he came back better, more aggressive, and took over. So that's kind of what he needs to do moving forward. Yeah. All right, so that's that's I your Phoenix Suns talk. I, for, do, I do not care. Yeah. Um, Adam Hester wants to know, uh, so far the Jays have held up against teams with solid fives, uh, but how worried are you about facing an elite center come March? Thinking about this after watching Azubuki demolish Baylor yesterday. Uh, well, again... The thing with Azubuki in Kansas is they also have the ability to be unbelievably disruptive defensively. Um, so yeah, that's that's not necessarily, it's not necessarily like Azubuki being a problem. It's more of like their ability to be def- disruptive on the perimeter, and they have that guy. Yeah. So that's kind of like you need both. Yep. You know I mean? I'm not worried if 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 you're if you're like yeah we match up well with Creighton because they can't guard our five. That's fine if you, if you can't guard their yep. ones and twos, you're screwed because your five is only getting layups. Your five is getting layups at the rim. Yeah. Their their ones and twos are getting layups twenty feet away, and they yeah. account for more points. So I mean, <laughs> that's just that's kind of how that goes. Again, like it's it's not a matchup thing anymore. It's like a you've got to be able to match up in the first place, and then have that yeah. that that you know that ace in the hole as a as a five man who can be disruptive. But it does. It is at the point where you have to be like an Azabuki level player to have a chance of that math winning out. Because what. Uh, Romero Gill was one of the most improved players in the Big East yep. this year, and Creighton played him complete. What did he play like fourteen minutes or whatever? Yeah, he like he, the four. No, and so like and Creighton, and went, and Creighton went super small. That wasn't even like a Bishop yeah. lineup. That was a Denzel at the five lineup. And he's a guy that had killed a lot of teams this season. Yes, and he couldn't play against Creighton. Right. So you've got to be at such a level as a center. Like you've got like Luca Gar. It would have been really interesting to see it Iowa is an against Creighton. I've seen some brackets uh, that have those two meeting up in the second round if they get there. Like uh, I've got an Iowa. Be a super yeah. curious one, right? Yeah, I've got an Iowa friend that recently just like texted me. Is like kind of disappointed that we never got to see that at, at the tournament yeah. back in the non-conference. Because um, that that would have been really fun to see those those two go against each other. Um, Luca Garza is a guy that in national player of the year um, race. He's so good and he can step out and shoot a little bit too so you're getting some of that back as well in addition yeah. to what he does in the paint and illinois could be an interesting one because they've got kofi Cockburn, um and they've got we'll some see good them tomorrow and they've got some good, they've got some talent on the perimeter i don't know if they necessarily i don't know if illinois talent is up to creighton's talent on the perimeter though well, and they're, again they're i still think it's a matchup that's yeah. not they're shooting 29 percent from three in, yeah. in big 10 play i don't think they'd be able to keep up yeah. um and They've been good defensively, think. but yeah. I'm trying, to, just, I'm, trying, I'm trying to name teams, so like, because I, I think that's kind of what the question is leading us to. Well, and um, we we mentioned Obi Toppin, which yeah, isn't the same kind of traditional, but he's a big guy that would really give them problems because yeah. of his mobility and stretch ability to step out and hit shots. For sure. Um, so I think I think Baylor, I think you're just is, I think at, Baylor yeah. is one. That, uh, Baylor doesn't have traditional a traditional five, but um, they've got just really good. You know, versatile talent across the board that I think they can match up pretty well with Creighton and make it a, a shot making game. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then your odds are, you know, your odds are you are, are better than they would be because if you can match Creighton shot for shot and be disruptive defensively at the same time, you got a chance. Yeah. In that one. So. so bottom line, one the five has to be at a certain level. He's got to be an elite, a, a truly elite player, not just a really good player. Mm-hmm. And then he's got to have the guys around him that allow you to um, kind of make up for whatever that big guy is going to give up. 
Um, yeah. Guys like Marcus Garrett defensively out on the wing and some of the other guys Kansas has. Yeah, and the, and the, and the San Diego State one, is people, people go back to that one a lot just because of the nature of that game. But, like, I kind of feel like that was just a – that was, that was more of, of, like, of a bad games. day for Creighton yeah. than it was, like, a matchup nightmare for – and as a, that's the, the matchup nightmare. That's not disrespect to San Diego State no. at all. They they do have a, they do present a matchup problem for Creighton, but the fact that Creighton laid an egg made that matchup yes. problem and then the matchup exacerbated. Exa- it. Exactly. Yeah. So like, I kind of don't feel like that's a thirty point game every time they play. Like, and Denzel Mahoney wasn't eligible for Denzel that game Mah- either. Yes, so exactly. that's so. that was one more option that maybe could have gotten things going for him that that they didn't have the ability to play yet. Agreed. Um, yeah, I think that's the end of our questions. Yeah, then we just got there. People are just interacting with each other. Um, so that's the end of our question. So next up for uh, Creighton is a week off. Finally, they get a bye week um, before they get to play St. John's, a team that um, they absolutely lit up in the first meeting. Omaha scored 94 points, um, only turned the ball over eight times, only had one live ball turnover the whole game, which against a Mike Anderson team is pretty difficult to do if you go back through the some of their – I think I went back to 2011 or 2011 before I found a comp that – of a team that only had one live ball turnover against a Mike Anderson-coached pressure-based team. So a pretty impressive offensive performance um, in the first meeting. Um, and Marcellus Erlington had the game of his life the first time, which is arguably how St. John's was I've never heard of that guy before that game, I, I don't think. Heard, I haven't heard of him since. <laughs> Honestly, I don't. I don't outside of the two guards and obviously Mustafa Heron who's uh, hurt year, now, so yeah. Guard, but yeah. him and LJ Figueroa, I don't really know anybody on St. Yeah. John's roster because of how all the Rasheem Dunn is a dude who does things sometimes. I know the transfer that came in, like I, yeah. they he got a whole like half the roster he flipped, and the guys that they brought back didn't weren't difference makers last year anyway. So yeah, so just tell I want your insight on what you think the week off. Is the week off good for Creighton, or if you're playing at this level, do you want to keep just keep rolling? Like, what what do you is there like a catch twenty two there, or do you think it's all good? Creighton needs to rest up and get ready for this three game stretch run that potentially could lead to a a Big East title showdown with yeah. with Seton Hall on the last day. Like, what do you think? Yeah, and Mac did mention that they're a little banged up. Uh, Mitch obviously um, has the nose issue, broke his nose, got it fixed, yeah. and then took a shot directly to the face from. Uh, Bryce Golden there early in the second half. And, and that nose is bent, too. Yeah. So he played the whole second half with a bent nose. Oh, yeah, had, it's all had, bent to the right. I had so. to put a plug up there to yeah. stop the bleeding. And yeah. um, so I asked him if he was breathing all right when he came out. And he said mostly. But uh, so give him a chance to kind of just not get hit in the face for a few days. That would be good. Because yeah. he's is not he, wearing a mask or does anything. Does he go mask for St. John's, you think? Like, what do you think? Uh, I Obviously, he tried to get away without doing it this game and took a shot so i, I don't know what the doctors would uh suggest the trainers anybody um i guess we'll see um and then mac mentioned that uh marcus took a like shot to the thigh yeah. so that that's something like not serious but that's a couple of days to kind of let the, the soft tissue issue just kind of work itself out so that's mm-hmm. from that perspective and obviously heavy uh, heavy minutes on a lot of these guys so when you get a chance to kind of reset and rest and Re-energize. I think it's good. This performance on top of that, then, is going to be pretty pretty key. Like, Mitch was the only guy who touched 30 minutes today. He had 31 before he stopped. Like, yeah. So the guys got in, did what they needed to do, got out of there, got a lot of rest today. They're going to get a lot of rest this week before they get to push for the final like the final stretch because it's going to come hot and heavy now. Like, it's going to be St. John's in a week, then Georgetown, I think, four days later, then Seton Hall three days later. Then the Big East tournament five days after that, yeah. and then depending on how long they go into that one, the NCAA tournament will be four or five days later. Like, 
it's gonna it's gonna be pretty consistent from here on out. So this is kind of Creighton's last chance to kind of get off their feet and and, and kind of recharge the battery before it's time to push for the most important part of the year. Yeah, and it, it's big because it seemed like Max done a pretty good job of balancing the the time to work on the craft and get better and figure things out on the practice court while not running them into the ground outside of games and keeping in mind how heavy the minute load has been for the main guys. And so the, to be able to improve the way they have been while having to deal with that and kind of manage those minutes, um, I think has been as, as good of a coach, a part of his, the coaching job he's done the, this year as anything. Yeah. So one last thing for you, because um, we're getting close to an hour here, which is oh, a wow. super efficient podcast. I think it's just we both talk really fast. Uh, <laughs> normally we're at hour 15. Um, I'm just curious from your perspective on the outside looking in at this thing, when you just go back to Creighton losing that Butler the way they did, um, kind of blowing a late lead against Villanova and losing at home, um, beating Xavier but then dropping the Georgetown game. Like Since then, like what stands out to you in terms of what's been different about this group and, and how they've been able to kind of reinsert themselves into the Big East title picture and Almost to a point, almost to a point where they kind of control their own destiny yeah. along with the path that they have left. Like, what stands out to you? Well, I think obviously the toughness thing is what everybody says and kind of points to that as a difference. And I think that's part of it. And I think that's just part of the growth and the maturity. Yeah. And, what, and last year, these guys were freshmen and sophomores playing the biggest roles <coughs> for the first time. Mm-hmm. And now they've got all those failures from last year. They've got that logged in the memory banks. They've learned from it. And now this year, early in the season, they're continuing to learn from it. And every time they see a situation that's logged in their brains and now they know we've seen this before, we know what we did wrong, we know what we did right, and they're able to kind of uh, factor in all this experience that they've had now to be able to deal with situations that are coming up. And they've continued to improve their all-around skill. We mentioned kind of how the offense has developed now with Christian's emergence and just creating, and then Denzel joining the fold the way DJ's been playing recently, they just got more options. And when something isn't going well, they've they've got a lot of other guys that can step up and make a difference and kind of overcome what what isn't working out. Like where in the past, maybe um, if they were having a bad shooting game, then that's that's game over most of the time. Mm. This year, that isn't necessarily the case. Obviously, you have an awful shooting game you're going to lose most of the time, but that goes for anybody that, in college. Yeah, everybody in everybody college, that yeah, goes exactly. for everybody in college basketball. Yeah. Um, so th- they, they found a way. Providence is on the bubble because yeah. they've had 12 awful shooting games, basically. Yeah. Yeah. They're finding a way to win when they're not playing their best, mm-hmm. um, and that's how you go from. But their A game is what yeah. it looks like today and against DePaul, um, but like their C game is also still capable of getting them, giving them a chance to win. And so that's kind of the difference between being a good team and right now they have the best record in the Big East, yeah. 22 and six, the best winning percentage. They're one game back in the standings, half a game up on Villanova, but their first team to 22 wins. Um, they've got the the best record in the conference right now, and a lot of that is because they figured out ways to get those wins when maybe they're not playing their best. And I think that goes back to the experience and the job the coaching staff has done mm-hmm. to kind of elevate these guys and empower them. Yep. Agreed. All right, uh, Jacob, much appreciated. Uh, thank you very much. I think it was a pretty solid debut. I think if I were to grade that, it's like, I think I'm gonna give you a B plus. I'll take that. You know what it's I mean? Solid. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if we we didn't touch an hour, we have to like we can't. We can't it wasn't an A, because normally we have we find enough content to spit this one out and do an hour fifteen. So the fact that we undershot it maybe wasn't our best. Well, we, uh, could, we could have had more filler. We could have more off the cuff stuff. 
Oh, I appreciate that's that. Just a, that's, a, that's a lack of rhythm with the. We haven't done this before. Well, I appreciate the efficiency, though. We're just kind of doing our best Marcus Zagorowski impression here because I've got Very a true. pickup run at 8 o'clock out west, so oh. it's worked out perfectly for All me. All right, then. So yeah. you had an agenda. Okay, I see how it goes. For that case, maybe you get an A then. But, hey, thank you for filling in on short notice. Asked you last night. You had, you, you said yes, so um, appreciate you jumping off the Husker beat, hopping <laughs> on the Blue Jay beat. Um, and then you're back on the Husker beat tomorrow, right? I am. Uh, at, well, at well we always do at the end of this podcast. I think you know because you've heard it. But, yeah. I mean, we always like to plug our stuff. Um, so I'd like you to go first because not a lot of people maybe know where to go for yeah. the Husker coverage. But for the Jayskers yeah. that are listening, you know, it's it's an all-inclusive thing. So, like, if they're curious to find out where they can read about the next Nebraska ball loss, where can they do that at? <laughs> well, uh, all my stuff is at hailvarsity.com. Um, so I've got all the basketball coverage there and then everything else throughout the year. And I'm also uh, doing some high school uh, basketball coverage this season. So if uh, so, for- lay out your re- lay out your like uh, you know just like the the next few days of what you've got on tap besides Nebraska basketball. Uh, I. I'm not sure yet. I have not scheduled beyond today because... Uh, oh, you have to live one day at a time, do you? For, well, uh, they had dist- we're waiting for the uh, district pairings oh, for okay, okay, high okay. school basketball. Gotcha. But So I'll be out at some high school games covering Nebraska, obviously, um, and then kind of whatever else comes up. Um, that's just kind of this time of year, just playing. Is all of that at HaleVarsity.com, even the high school stuff? Yes. Okay, cool. And, yeah, so subscribers, most of that is kind of premium. Occasionally I'll drop a free one here and there, yeah, what's depending the, on what's what the, What's the deals going on right now for um, subscribers? What do you got for people that aren't, subscri- that aren't signed up already? Yeah. I, I should know this off the top of my head, but okay. I don't know what our most recent one is. Really? Yeah. It's like $500, man. It, it, it is not $500. It's, it's right. pretty it's reasonable. It's not $500 bucks yeah. to just go and subscribe. Yeah, just go to the okay. – uh, you, can, you can find it on the uh, – I, I think we've got a uh, – one dollar try hv kind of coupon to okay. start off uh if you're here for a new subscriber so just go to the website you can find it all there then you can follow me uh on twitter at jacob padilla underscore and you'll yeah, be a lot yeah, more the, there's the a lot under, more creighton uh the underscores at the end huh it is nice, nice um, yeah it was either two underscores in the middle or an underscore at the end those are the options because gotcha. jacob padilla weren't. is owned by someone named juan who has never tweeted He's got power over you, then, huh? I'm like, hope, how, how valuable is that handle to you? I'm hoping if when, you actually were like in with him, like, what would you offer that man for that for that for that handle? At, I, I mean, I live on a journal salary, so probably not a whole <laughs> lot. But um, I'm kind of one attached, subscription fee to yeah, have varsity. Maybe? I'm kind of attached to the underscore at this point. Okay. I've, I've had it for so many years now. You've that, to love it. Yeah, gotcha. um, I wasn't wasn't sure at first, but I just threw a middle initial in there. That's oh. how I got my handle. It's not just MD Marinas. I threw the middle initial in there. And then it's like, what are we talking about here? How many MJD Marinas <laughs> out there in the world? You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, that's, that's how I got it. Maybe, maybe you throw the middle initial in and you'll get your name back. Um, okay, cool. So that's where you can find Jacob's stuff. I appreciate him filling in. He's, he knows more about hoops. He's forgotten more about hoops um, than basically anyone in the state even knows. So to have him on this podcast has been a blast, and I appreciate you filling in. Um, you can check out this podcast at whiteandbluereview.com as well as the recaps from this game and any other coverage we got. Um, they're going to have a week off before they play next, so look out for some features that have that are kind of in the works right now that maybe just I haven't had time to write because the games are so staggered. Um, but I feel like I'm going to pump out something on Tyshawn, Mitch, and, um, and at least have a notebook that highlights some of the things that Christian has done. Um, and then maybe I'll find a way to talk about Marcus Zagorowski because he's been awesome. Uh, but then the uh, Creighton women's basketball won today. Jalen Agnew was unbelievable again. Uh, her next uh, games are – so before we'll talk to you again on the podcast, uh, Creighton women are actually uh, home against Villanova and Georgetown 
to end the regular season. So their last two home games are Friday and Sunday, I believe, coming up here. Um, so it's the last two times you get to see Jalen Agnew play. If you haven't already done that, you need to check her out because she's special, I'm telling you. Um, and her career is coming to an end. I think we're going to sit down with those three seniors, her, Olivia Elder, and Morgan Turner, um, and do a little podcast kind of like just, I don't even know, I haven't written questions for it yet, but I have it scheduled for Tuesday uh, tentatively. Um, so look out for that. Um, we'll have that for, for you guys this week um, leading up to the final home regular season weekend for the women's basketball team as well. Um, so, yeah, and then we'll get after you again. You'll hear from us again March 4th is the next. Yeah, March 4th. Uh, the men host Georgetown at 7 p.m. What day is that? Do you know? Uh, March 4th is... It is a Wednesday, it looks like. Is it? Okay. Yes. Okay, so, yeah, Wednesday night against Georgetown. Next time we'll be podcasting at you. Uh, thank you for listening. Thank you for your questions. Thanks for the interaction. Um, we'll talk to you uh, March 4th. Have a good one, everybody.